When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to the latest Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you are watching or listening live or archived, we're so glad you could join us today as we record on Wednesday, October 23rd, and preview the Virginia Tech men's basketball season. Excited to dive into some hoops today. Our crew today, as always, we've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart, and I am your podcast host Evan Hughes. Glad everybody could be with us today again recording the morning of Wednesday, October the 23rd. A reminder that this week and every week, the Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Gentlemen, good morning to you. Second podcast of the week. Great to be back with you. And uh, first, want to throw it over to Will for a podcasted update because for those watching today, something new about the podcast. Right. Today, it's very subtle. But if you're watching on video, uh, check out the uh, coffee table and specifically look underneath. The little mini helmets are lit up now. We got some under cabinet LED lighting that I installed yesterday. Really good stuff. I don't know how you pronounce the company's name. It's L I T E. V-E-R. Light, Lightver, Lightover, I don't know. But uh, very highly reviewed on Amazon. Had everything I wanted in the package. So I'm trying it out underneath the table. I think it looks very cool. And I've been hankering to get some under cabinet lighting on our shelves here. Really, really dress it up. So, you know, what can I say, man? The bye week's coming at the right time. It's been five weeks and one day since my accident where my finger got broken so I figure you know with with this week off by the time the Notre Dame game happens I'll be back to full strength like Hennon Hooker yeah I'll be back to full strength by like uh, Deshaun Crawford more importantly Deshaun Crawford um but uh that that doesn't mean there isn't some stiffness like I can't bend those fingers all the way but I'm really excited because I think I'm really close to being able to type normally again but anyway, that's that's what we got going on with the podcast set. So uh, I think uh, by next Monday's podcast, we'll have even more cool accent lighting on the set. We've got some more lights we're going to put up top. So I'm super jacked about everything. Thanks for all you're doing. It's always exciting to see what, what we're doing here at Tech Sideline, the podcast continuing to evolve. Uh, Cece, what's going on? How are you doing today? I'm tired. I got home from the basketball media day yesterday, immediately did a radio interview, and I was laying on the couch while I was doing the radio interview. I fell asleep when the interview was done. I was so tired, and I didn't wake up till 9 o'clock last night. So then I was up all night. I was about to say, that's the worst, because if, if you take a long nap, you can't sleep. Yeah. I know we've had this discussion before about what's the longest you've ever slept. I slept 16 hours straight once. Yeah, that's probably about right. Yep. Woke up to go to the bathroom a couple of times, went right back to bed. Right back to you bed. Know, had the old Rumpelstiltskin thing going when I got up. Well, we've got a great podcast on hand for today. As Will did mention, the bye week is coming up, and also coming up is the men's basketball season opener against Clemson. So yeah, today, it's like two weeks away. Yeah, just two weeks. And 13 days. It's going to be interesting, and we'll talk about it opening up in league play. Of course, 20 ACC games this year, a little bit different. Uh, it's a new era in Virginia Tech men's basketball, and we'll kind of dive into everything here today on a Virginia Tech men's basketball preview <laughs> podcast here on the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. I uh, do want to start with this, uh, and this is the way that actually Mike Young, and I'll get y'all's thoughts in a minute, had uh, media day on Tuesday in Castle Coliseum. You guys got to uh, listen to him at the press conference, go into Han Hurst, but he started off his uh, press conference basically saying he doesn't really have an opening statement. 
but that he did want to congratulate uh, Justin Robinson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Ahmed Hill uh, for their starts to their professional career. I thought that was a really classy touch from a guy who did not coach them, but obviously has gotten to know them and the impacts that they've had on the program. Uh, Chris, how neat is it to see J-Rob and Nikhil Alexander-Walker playing uh, with professional basketball teams in the NBA? Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, you know, Xavier Dowdell played in the NBA for a hot second. Delaney was in there for two years. <laughs> Terrell Letty made the Wizards uh, at one point. <laughs> at one point, yeah. Um, but you've never had two guys at the same time, I, I don't think, as far as I can remember. Gosh, uh, I would agree with that. Um, maybe back in the uh, 70s At least or nobody with like a that. legit chance to actually stick on a roster long term. Yeah. And Nikhil will obviously do See, that. See, you know you had Dell and Bimbo in the league at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's, that should have. And that's since the early 2000s. That's 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, Dell came yeah. out in, uh, let's see, 86, and Bimbo would have been 90. And they both so, retired in like 2003, 2004. Yeah, they had, so they had a lot of overlaps, so sorry for the obvious oversight. But, yeah, those guys played, and they played a lot. They both played a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I never think about those guys because I literally know. I'm not, I'm not old enough to remember them it's, playing for it's Virginia It's been a while. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't follow the NBA anyway. I was a big Sixers fan back in the uh, late 70s, early, early to mid-80s. But uh, the, the last NBA I remember watching was uh, after I graduated from Tech – I remember watching the Hornets when Dell was playing for him, and Alan Bristow was coaching them. Mm-hmm. So I remember watching some playoff games. This is probably late '80s, maybe as late as 1990, but I've kind of tuned out since then. So. Um, it's important to note that it's not for sure that J. Rob is going to stick long term. I mean, he was undrafted. Yeah. Um, and he's on a two-way contract, which I believe means within 45 days they're required to send him to the G, to their G League. Hmm. franchise uh he's on the roster because john wall is hurt right so yep. john wall will be back fairly soon i yep. think yep and uh he will go to the j rob will go to the g league at that point but for now it's pretty cool yeah and, 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 and after having a really good post uh, preseason uh Nikhil apparently struggled last night he could struggle to shoot that was his well it was his first regular season game and it was in toronto his hometown they were playing uh, against yeah. toronto yeah. yeah um so and i guess they, that was the first nba game the first the first overall game and the first televised game of the year because it was on TNT. Wow, yeah, but the Raptors night. got their rings last night. They were yeah. playing the Pelicans. But, of course, he uh, – let's see. Yesterday, Nikhil ended up uh, with uh, three points, four rebounds, two assists. Uh, and he uh, was uh, – let's see. He played 12 minutes. Yeah. Uh, he was really pressing early, apparently. Like, I, I checked the, uh, the box score on my phone. And in the first – Three minutes, he had already taken five shots and had, but had three rebounds. He was one of uh, ten yeah. from the field, one mm. of seven from yeah. deep. Yeah. yeah, so he went out there in his first game and just started shooting. Wow. Yeah, but it's going to be you know kind of interesting. Uh, the, the Pelicans not going to go on NBA uh, tangent here, but you know they've got Zion, they've got a bunch of Lonzo Ball, the pieces after training Anthony Davis, Nikhil. So Nikhil's in a really interesting position where he's going to be on national television. A, a, pretty good that's amount true. This that's year. true so Hokie fans will get to see him a lot so. maybe the camera will be on him a few times when it's not on zion <laughs> i don't know about although that. zion's out for six day weeks yep mm-hmm. well yeah, i thought that'd sure. be a cool way to kind of open up the tech pot uh, tech sideline podcast just because i remember so let's before we move on from that you know mike young I'm, I'm gonna call him mike we call buzz buzz i'm gonna call mike young mike you know i, I don't want to be uh informal or disrespectful that's just how i'm gonna roll so you've been warned um mike opened the uh the press conference you know talking about those guys and one of the things that he's doing well is he is making an effort to uh, establish and keep those ties with the former players I think and the history of the program of course he has uh, uh, Ace Custis on his staff and I don't remember I could flip through my material on my lap here I don't want to do that right at the moment but uh, Ace has one of those job titles that you read it and you're like well what does that guy do so he's kind of it's like director of it is coordinator of basketball relations. Coordinator of basketball relations. So your first question is like, what what is what does he do for that? And we'll look it up later while you guys are talking. I'll look it up and actually read it to you what his job description is. But my take is that that Ace is there to provide a link to the past the past history of the program. If you go on Han Hurst, we were in there yesterday, and uh, with within the area where the two basketball practice courts are. Just about all evidence of buzz has been removed. I'm sure I haven't been in there a while. There were probably all kinds of buzz, get better type quotes all over the wall. They're gone. That doesn't mean they're like there's a couple of pictures of buzz and former players, 
But down towards the corner, one of the graphics is Ace Custis. So Ace is a guy who one, one of his part of his job is just kind of mentoring the players and kind of providing that link to the past and past experience of playing at Virginia Tech. So, and, you know, Chris and I got to meet him. That's the first time you had met him, right? Uh, I actually met him in lot two on Saturday. Well, okay. <laughs> and I, I met him at uh, Buzz's press conference also when Buzz first got hired. Yeah, because I guess Buzz, Buzz, so I guess Buzz came out of the gate. I remember Bimbo was also at that. Yeah, he was. I guess Buzz came out of the gate sort of looking like he was going to, you know, link to the past also. I think for Mike it's going to be more of a, an ongoing thing. And, and you know, the fact of the matter is I think in talking about this media day and in the early part of Mike's tenure, I think there's going to be a lot of comparison between the way Buzz did things and the way Mike did things is doing things. And part of that is just uh, there's some of the things there's there's such a big contrast, like the way Mike deals with the media. He's very casual with them. He calls them by their first names. He's he, he I remember and Chris, maybe you have a, have a more exact memory than I do. I remember Buzz's first press conference. He threw down the gauntlet with Mark Berman. He's mm -hmm. something like. Oh, I've heard of your reputation or something like that. Go ahead, give me your best shot. So he just he was very uh contentious out of the game. He was confrontational, right? Out confrontational, of the game. that's the word yeah. I'm looking for, you know, and and Mike is not that way. So just wanted to kind of um, get that out there. Please don't fuss at us for doing a lot of comparisons. I think it's natural at first. Uh yeah. Um Buzz was a most interesting person I've ever covered. Uh he was a jerk to the local media and really nice to the national media. I didn't care because he won a lot of games. I mean, I'm in there when he's being a jerk to the local media, but I don't care because he won a lot of games. So I'm, I'm not going to make fun of the guy because he gave me the best period of basketball in Virginia Tech history. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let me give you a little trivia. Now, what was Ace's uh, title? Coordinator of Basketball Coordin Operations. Coordinator of Basketball Relations. Relations. Okay. So, Frank, you know Frank Beamer was – the pioneer, the trendsetter of support staff. Did you know that? Um, let me give you an example. When Brian Steinspring was a grad assistant, all right, I think, <laughs> I think you, can, you can only be a grad assistant for like two or three years. Uh, so after he's exhausted his eligibility as a grad assistant, for lack of a better word, um, Frank didn't want to lose him to another school. So he goes up to him and said, we want to hire you some random position for a year, and then you will be on the coaching staff as a coach after a year or something like that. And Frank gives him a job application and says, write down whatever title you want. Here's what you're going to be making. So Steinspring wrote down director of football. <laughs> and so for a year, Brian Steinspring was director of football <laughs> at Virginia Tech. So, wow. So Frank Beamer was actually the pioneer of support staff. Wow. Not, yeah. not exactly Nick Saban-esque. Not exactly Nick Saban-esque. But he, but he but, did. And I'm sure yeah. he had to talk to Dave Brain about that. So yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess Dave was still here. And then Frank was probably like, man, I really want to keep this guy. And, yeah. Could you imagine if your boss says, here, create whatever job title you want. And you have three Director of football. That is. <laughs> well, I get to create my own job title. Nobody yeah, gave me my it. job title. Very true. I created the head honcho job title. I, it is in your Twitter bio. It's my it is not on my business card title. <laughs> Well, so I do want to get y'all your thoughts on media day from yesterday. But again, just kind of want to give a kind of just a timetable, kind of where we picked up from from basketball last year. And, um, you know, again, the last game that Tech played was a, th a thriller in the Sweet 16 uh, against Duke. The, the, the tip in nearly went in uh, from that hill. And then Buzzley's for Texas A&M. Mike Young's hired. Uh he comes in within a, his first week, keeps Landers Nolly, who put his name in the transfer portal, keeps Wabisa Beattie. Uh, he gets Jalen Cohn. Kerry uh, Blackshear goes to Florida. He gets uh, a really strong assistant coaching staff uh, that has been praised uh, by the ACC network I was listening to the other day. Um, we'll talk about that. And then uh, here we are now all the way up to media day, two weeks until the season has began, uh, begun against Clemson. So we'll, I'll start with you. Since the day – Coach Young has been hired. Um, what has he done well? What has impressed you most since he's taken over the reins of this program? Uh, the assistant coaching hires that he made. Um, the the biggest question when he when he was hired was recruiting. Everybody knows the guy can coach, and everybody knew he'd be he'd be good with the fans and the media. But how was he going to recruit? And uh, he hired, did a good job hiring staff. Um, 
And Chris told me a story yesterday that uh, um, he was probably trading emails or texts with a, a, a guy we trust with a really good basketball mind. And what did he say? What he's, did he a, he's, a, he's a former college basketball assistant coach. Yeah, so he rated the hire as a five or six at first. Mm-hmm. And then after seeing the assistant coaching hires, he rated the hire as an eight, eight or, or nine. nine. That's right. Yeah. So this is a person who has coached in the college ranks and, and knows his college basketball and – and I, and I think that's one of the more profound statements I've heard about how Mike is running the program. Chris, how about you? What has stood out most since he's been hired? That. Um, I think he did a good job hiring his assistants. Uh, they have a lot of good recruiting ties in this region where Tech wants to recruit. Uh, recruiting has gone well so far when it comes to guards. Uh, and he's going to be able to recruit guards. Um, his, they like to shoot the ball. And he, he's system. got a system that gets shots. Yeah, exactly. And this is a structured system. It's not. This isn't a Buzz Williams type deal. This is more of a Tony Bennett deal. Uh, more exciting than Tony Bennett's pack line defense and kind of slow moving offense. But it's structured like Tony Bennett. Um, not the same. Not the exact same system, of course, but structured. Um, I, I think uh, he's recruited guards well. He's going to come down to whether he can get a good center um he had a good center last year at Wofford and that's when things really took off he needs a center that can pass dribble and shoot and all that stuff um in other words a Kerry Blackshear Kerry Blackshear exactly yeah. um their, their their center last year at Wofford was second on the team in assists so uh, they don't have anybody like that on this team uh, maybe Ojiako will will be that guy at some point but he's only a freshman um they're not going to recruit well at power forward, in my opinion. I know that they're probably going to lose P.J. Hall to Clemson on Thursday. So to, to jump in there a little bit, P.J. is PJ's about number 60 in the country, is that right? 60 to 75 range. Yeah, yeah so uh, power forward, he's, it's coming down between Tech and Clemson. It looks like Clemson is going to get him. That's where all the crystal balls are headed. Yeah. We're doing this podcast on Wednesday morning. And PJ is going to announce on Thursday afternoon, and and we all think he's going to Clemson. But anyway, continue. Uh, yeah. Um, PJ is a talented player, or at least a highly ranked player. Um, I, in Mike Young's system, the power forward is generally just a screener and a rebounder. And top one hundred kids don't just want to go to college and set screens, yeah. right? So I don't think we're going to recruit highly ranked kids at the power forward position, in my opinion. Uh, Kiva Luma, who is joining him from from Wofford, I think he will start at power forward for Virginia Tech next year, but he has to sit out this year uh, for transfer rules. Due to transfer yeah. rules. Yeah. Imagine that. <clears throat> so I, I like how we kind of dived into a little bit of recruiting, the guys that he has brought in, and I want to dive into the roster a little bit later. Um, but you guys now got to go and talk with some players yesterday, got to talk with Ace Custis Will, I know you got to talk to Coach Young. Take our listeners through, and our viewers as well, what the media day was like yesterday with Coach Young. What did you guys get to experience, and, and what did you take away? So we did we did the traditional press conference in the, uh, the Castle Media Center, which is, man, what a dark little hole that place is, you know. Um, but nobody cares, you know, because when you, when you look at the videos and get the quotes and things like that, it looks fine, but – to actually be there, it's a, it's a little hole in the wall. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so we got about 20 minutes there, and then uh, um, they walked us over to the Hanhurst Center, and uh, and then they had all the all the players were made available. They were sitting around uh, uh, behind tables, uh, you know, with little name cards and things like that. So so you'd know who they are because there's a lot of guys there. You're like, uh, who's this guy? Um, and I didn't really ask a lot of questions there, you know. I, I I was not Chris. Chris is more of our basketball guy, and I'm I'm not really prepared to to talk to the guys a lot and ask good questions. So we did that for about 20 minutes or so, mm-hmm. and then they did uh, um, they did team photos of the coaches and staff and players. And uh, boy, you thought Buzz had a big group. Mike Young's got a big group. There were a lot of people in that room. Um, I don't know how many of them are going to wind up sitting on folding chairs, you know, during games uh, on the sidelines. Yeah, it's not quite as many as Buzz. You don't uh, think so? No. Uh, yeah. Buzz had one guy in there that I know wasn't even listed anywhere in the media guide mm-hmm. online. 
I think he might have even lived with Buzz for a while. His name was Big Big Frank. Nobody would ever tell me for Big Frank's last name hmm. or exactly what he did. Hmm. But, but he was always in the team photos. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so, Buzz, is, Buzz is a weird dude. And, and then we got to uh, um, observe probably about 20. It was supposed to be 20 minutes of practice. I think it wound up being more like 30 minutes of practice. Um, and during that practice, let's see, we watched, uh, we watched Mike walk the players through a series of plays that you can tell they're prepping for their next they're, uh, they're, scrimmage. They're practicing zone offense because they're playing Richmond this yeah. weekend in a scrimmage. Yeah. Um, and we got to what they, – they ran the floor some, did some uh, – I, I think part of what they were working on at one point was transition uh, defense mm-hmm. because they, w- they would run offense without any defense – and they would feed it to the middle, and the post player would, would dunk or lay it in. And they wouldn't let the ball they go through the net and then pass it in. It would immediately get thrown in by five guys who were on offense getting ready to run the floor. So he was, he was you could tell he was practicing transition defense in particular, getting that big man from being right at the rim to being all the way down the other end of the floor. And he said in his press conference that uh, – They've got to get a lot better in transition defense. So yeah, so they're, they're working on that yesterday. Um, but Mike is—he's a very relaxed guy. You know, he's—he's he's good with people. Um, I did get a chance to talk to him briefly while they were setting up the uh, um, team pictures and things like that. And uh, I told Mike, I said, uh, "You and I have to get together and talk about early 1980s Radford Bobcat basketball because uh, Mike um, played. He he graduated from Radford High, as a lot of people know." And uh, in 1980, and I was living in Charlottesville, and back then they used to play the state championship Final Four in Charlottesville at University Hall there at UVA. And so I, I had lived in Radford as a kid, and I knew some of the guys that played for those Radford teams, and I still had friends back in Radford. So I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, spring of 1981, uh, Radford came up and played in the state semifinals against uh, um, Harrisonburg. And... I could talk about that for a while. Radford had Phil Williams. He was a sophomore, and Phil later played for Virginia Tech. And Harrisonburg had a guy, if you're, if you're a longtime Virginia Tech basketball fan, you remember this guy's name, Pee Wee Barber. Uh, Pee Wee played for uh, Harrisonburg in high school and then went and uh, um, Pee Wee did not overlap with Ralph Sampson before anybody wants to ask that question. No, he didn't. He and Ralph were two different heirs at, at Harrisonburg High. Um, but – but that my sophomore year in high school, Mike was a senior. So he, he and he was on that Radford team that lost to Harrisonburg in the state semis. So uh, you know we we're just talking about that a little bit and um, talking about uh, two years later after Mike had already uh, graduated, they they came in again and this time they lost to uh, uh, Martinsville. And Mike talked about when he was at uh, I believe he was saying when he was at at Wofford and he went in to recruit Martinsville High. He said he was just kind of in awe because. Yeah, Martinsville had a guy, Husky Hall, that had coached there for many years and won a bunch of state championships. And uh, so, you know, uh, you just don't have these kind of conversations with not just Buzz Williams, but, you know, a lot of college coaches. Um, there's not, from what, from what I can tell from being around Mike yesterday, there's not, a, there's not an arrogant bone in his body. But there, is, there are competitive bones in there. Uh, and talking to, let's see, I, I talked to Isaiah Wilkins briefly. Just wanted to ask him, you know, uh, how he chose between uh, football and, and basketball. Because every time I see Isaiah, he looks like a football player to me, you know. And I saw and, him with Beatty and Kroger this summer, and I'm like, who's that defensive end Beatty's with? Every time I see Isaiah, <laughs> I think I saw Isaiah walking down the uh, Warren Street the other day when, when everybody was tailgating for, uh, for not the uh, UNC home game, but the Rhode Island game. You know, he went walking down Warren Street in that Center Street area, and I did the same thing. I looked at him and thought, that guy looks like a football player. Who is that? And I find I, I think that every time I see Isaiah Wilkins. So I was asking him, how do you, uh, you know, how did you, uh, how'd you choose basketball instead of football? And he said, you know, I just didn't have a love of football. He said, I played football when I, when I was younger. And, and he said, it got, got to be about high school, and I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I said, I bet the high school coach, football coach, was all over you, though, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, every year. He's like, man, you got to come out for football. And, and, and no, I wouldn't do it. But I did ask uh, Isaiah, I said, uh, um, coach, is, uh, coach looks like an easygoing guy, but he's pretty competitive, isn't he? 
and and I don't remember who was sitting next to Isaiah, but they both just nodded and said, "Oh yeah, he's competitive." It was Keith, and Keith would know because he's already played for. Yeah, him. that's right. Yeah. He said, "He said, oh yeah, it, it it comes out in practice, in preparation." Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. And uh, Isaiah Wilkins was big down the stretch for Virginia Tech last year. I'm sure it'll be an important part of the team this year. And we'll get into the roster here. In so, show. so I did. Uh, I did ask Isaiah. Said, you know. How, how is your role going to change this year versus last year? And he kind of looked at me and said, he said, I don't really know. I just, I just want to help the team and win basketball games. And I thought, oh, I'm just getting that answer. You know, I said, I, I just nodded. I said, all right, thanks. And I started to walk away. And Keeve actually looked at me and said, that's a really good answer, man. That's what I want to do. I just want to win basketball games. <laughs> uh, so, so it sounded like a canned response, but I think he was being genuine. Uh, yeah. Um and he's going to play the four for Virginia Tech on this year, by the yeah. way. Chico. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Isaiah Wilkins. He told, I asked him where he's playing. He said two, three. And then I said, and four, two. And he said, yeah, and some four. Um, and so the, there's, not, there's not a guy on this team that Mike Young considers a true four. Like Buzz w- would play, would want to play Landers and Ollie at the four all the time. Right. That'd be his primary position under Buzz. Mike Young doesn't want to do that. He wants Landers Nolly to be a three, and have a more traditional four, like 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 Kiva Luma, like you know who played for the four for him at Wofford. Uh, they're not going to be able to do that. They're going to have to play guys like Landers Nolly and Isaiah Wilkins at, at the four to a certain extent this year. And, and, and I don't know how he'll adjust his offense because Nolly can shoot it, he can score it, and in Mike Young's offense, the four is always a screener mainly and, and, and rebounder and he did say uh, I, I don't remember the exact question but somebody basically asked him how you know talk about Landers Nolly and, and and Mike said and you could tell it pained him to say it is like well we're going to play him at the four he's a three but yeah. we're going to play him at the four and you, you can tell he doesn't he doesn't want to do that sure uh, he said he's got Christy say he have four guys that can shoot to three yeah. Uh, one of which is Landers Nolly. One of which, of course, is Landers Nolly. And, and he was alluding to how his teams at Wofford, I think the wording was, he goes, I used to have four guys that thought they could shoot the three ball. <laughs> right. We actually have four guys that can shoot the three ball. I think that's pretty much ball. what he said, yeah. Um, <laughs> I assume he's talking about Nolly, Beatty, uh, Naheem Aline. That's how you pronounce that. Um, Camargo can shoot it fairly well it seems although it's a very small sample size and he's good he's out with an injury yeah for at least half the season is what it seems like um probably talking about hunter couture too right yeah um so yeah they still got shooters on this team so speaking of shooting i want to ask this question before we uh take a time out and come back talk about individual players you know I, i think a comparison could be made per se but i know you have more insight to it that People might see this team play and hear Coach Young say the emphasis he puts on the three ball. Well, is there a similarity to having Buzz in his system of, of relying on the three ball and then Coach Mike Young in his system of relying on the three ball like at Wofford? Is there a transition for the guys that are returning that there's a similarity between the two coaches in that in that regard? Uh, maybe from just the standpoint of getting you want open looks and things like that, and, and I guess you have – certain freedoms to shoot it if you're if you're open but in general I think Buzz's offense allowed for more creative freedom from his players I think Mike Young's offense is more structured as in do this no matter what and you know one of the things Chris pointed out to me yesterday we were just talking he said he said you know it's gonna take these guys a while yeah. to get good at this system um, they've got some good players uh that uh, so you know everybody knows this year is going to be tough, but I, I wonder if part of the fan base is thinking, yeah, this year will be tough, but man, they'll start winning ball games next year. It may be a little longer than that. Yeah. You know, it, it may be when these guys are, when the young guys are juniors and seniors, and he's had a chance to recruit a couple more guys to fit his system. This is this is going to be, you know, to to use the phrase, this is going to be a process. Yeah. Um when I was comparing with Tony Bennett, I'm not saying he's going to win a national championship or have as much success as Tony Bennett, but I'm comparing him to Tony Bennett and the fact that he is establishing a true system, and, I, and in his case, an offensive system, a structured system, and it takes a while to learn structure. And Tony Bennett inherited probably a better roster at UVA than Mike Young inherited, and Tony Bennett didn't win more than 16 games until his third season. 
Yeah. So and, and, and even that wasn't that the third season that started out with them getting utterly stomped at Tennessee. It might, it might have been their fourth season. I, I don't yeah. remember. It, it, uh, it may have been four years in, but yeah. But he had to do a Bennett had to do a lot of roster tear down and rebuild. That uh, uh, Mike Young's fortunate from that standpoint that he inherited almost no roster at all. <laughs> so yeah, pretty yeah. much. Let's just let's take a quick timeout. I want to come back and focus on a couple of individual players, and then it's time to uh, jump into some questions on Facebook Live. You're listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Welcome back to the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. So so glad that everybody could join us today. Recording on Wednesday, October 23rd, it is the Virginia Tech Men's Basketball Preview Podcast. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, and I'm Evan Hughes on the podcast set. And and we have the Terror Gnome. Of course we have the Terror Gnome. brought his little lunch pail. He hasn't moved. I don't think we move him until... I'm telling you, another, another podcast set... Uh, addition that we need is uh, we need a webcam on the Terror Gnome. So when, and, and we need a light we can turn off and on. So we need to be able to cut to the Terror Gnome and, and light him up and show him. And then uh, You can't really see it, but I'm telling you, he's smiling through that gray beard. He's yes. got a big smile on his face. His eyes closed. He's uh-huh. grinning. Uh, he's, so he's, uh, he's also undefeated in Virginia Tech basketball. Ha ha. So maybe during the basketball season, we get a little basketball to go next to his uh, foot right there next to the lunch pail. We can. Uh, I'll see what I can come up with. I've, I've got the little Seth Greenberg signed basketball up there, but that's kind of large. But yeah. we'll work on that. Um, so we've been talking about kind of the program as a whole so far on the podcast. I want to take time to kind of go through a couple of individual players. But before we do that, uh, you guys brought up something that I thought that would be you guys thought would be fun to do on the podcast. I totally agree. You guys were looking at the roster. And uh, you look down at the pronunciation guide. Uh-huh. So, uh, whoever would like to lead us off, for those that uh, have not gotten familiar with the new roster yet, Will and Chris are going to take a dive into the pronunciation guide of the roster. Gentlemen, the floor is yours. Now, oddly enough, Kivaluma is not listed on the pronunciation guide. So, we just assume it's pronounced Kivaluma. Yeah. So, yeah. according to somebody on Facebook, it's Keve. Keve. So, right. why is that not in the pronunciation guide? So Malcolm didn't have the mic in front of him, but uh, he he says according to somebody on Facebook, it's Keve. Is that right? Okay. Okay. Keve Aluma. All right. So Chris, you're next. You take the next one. Uh, freshman guard from Buford, Georgia. Nahim Aline. It's not Allen. It's Aline. Nahim Aline. Nahim. Who we Aline. hear really good things about, by the way. He was about 177 pounds when he enrolled. I remember seeing his picture during our staff sent home visit with him, and he was really, really skinny. And he's up to 195 now. Yeah. He's starting to look the part. Now, he's a guy that's reclassified. He's only 17 years old. He's supposed to be a high school senior, which is another reason. You need to be patient. You need to be patient. This is not just a young team, but our young players are young even for freshmen. He reclassified. He's supposed to be a senior in high school. Jalen Cohn is reclassified. He's supposed to be a senior in high school. Um, our next pronunciation guide effort, John Ojiako. John Ojiako. 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 A 6'10 center from Nigeria. Also reclassified. Now, he is 19 years old, but he... You know, he came from a from a different country. He could still be going into a senior year in high school. Um, very, very raw. So these freshmen we got are they're raw even for freshmen. There, there are times where you'll essentially see what should be a, a decent high school all star team playing against ACC. <laughs> that, teams. That's that's an accurate statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very accurate statement. Well, um, what's the next one? Well, before we move on from Ojiako, I thought uh, Chris, you said Ojiako's listed at two forty, and you said how much did you say he was in the recruiting process? I thought he was like two fifteen. Yeah, thereabouts. Uh, so yeah, they, they, we've had some guys put in some good work on the strength and conditioning program since they got here. So he's listed at six ten, two forty. He looks the part. Yeah. He, he's a he's a good looking player. Yeah, and and he can probably get to two fifty or two sixty. Oh. And you know. and what Will means by that is he's a good looking athlete. Yes. Um, 
he's yes. a very raw basketball player who looks the part. I believe if Kerry Blackshear had returned this year, I, they might redshirt Ojiako. Um, honestly, I would still redshirt him. He's just so raw. I mean, I wouldn't redshirt every freshman basketball player. I was about to say, from sport to sport, the redshirt rule still would, applies. I wouldn't redshirt every freshman <laughs> basketball player. I would not redshirt most freshman basketball players. I would redshirt him just because he's so raw. Sure. I think he's got a high ceiling, but he's so raw that I don't know if he can get to that ceiling in just with just three off seasons. Yeah, you, you yeah. Know? He, he may be one of those guys where if if you, the year after he leaves, you'll be thinking, man, I wish we had that guy. I wish we'd redshirted that guy. Yeah. Um, He's going to be the new Stephen Peoples. So that kind of segues into <laughs> – <laughs> so you're talking about uh, – you were talking about the fours and, and how it's it's not really a glamour position in Mike Young's offense. And and I think as you were talking about that earlier, I was thinking to myself, so, so that becomes a, a position where – evaluation and potential become important yeah you're probably not going to be able to land a four or five star guy at that position so you really need to find the diamonds in the rough guys that like banging guys mm-hmm. that guys that aren't prima donnas and want to do the dirty work you know so if uh i, I just had that thought go through my head while we we're looking at it. so next guy i want to talk about is uh hunter couture couture his last name is spelled c-a-t-t-o-o-r and you know, oddly enough, I would have thought it's pronounced couture. Yeah. And the and the emphasis is on the tour, couture, couture. You're taking a tour, right? I'm taking a That's tour. That's exactly how they spell it in the pronunciation guide. So when Hunter comes in the game, you can be the smartest fan sitting around watching and properly pronounce his name. And a lot of guys are uh, a lot of people are high on Hunter Couture, right? That is a Mike Young. He's a, he was originally signed to Wofford. Um, he's going to play the two spot for Virginia Tech. Uh, the two guard position, he's not a point guard. Maybe he can play it some in, in a if if needed, but I think he's going to be a two. Um, he can shoot it. Um, questions about how well he'll be able to defend. We'll we'll see, because he was originally a you know a Wofford recruit. Um, but but I don't know. There's just a lot of unknown in this roster, yeah. and he's he's one of them. So Mike did say uh, yesterday that he he prefers man to man defense Mm -hmm. and he said we're gonna have to he said we may have to play some zone to did he say protect some guys protect some guys Um, and and i think he said they had to go ahead they said they had a he said they had a tendency to foul a lot in the first half of their first scrimmage right uh and then you know he talks like he's gonna play pj at center although or at the five although i think he'll probably play the four and the five um If if they're going to play P.J. at the five, they've also got um, Brendan Johnson to play the five. I would seriously redshirt Ojiaco, but that's a a, (laughs) – Brendan Johnson's a graduate transfer from Alabama State. But, but, you know, ideally you don't want P.J. Horn playing 30 minutes at center. So, yeah, when you talk about protecting guys, that's part of it. Um, yep, yep. It's like last year you would want to really try to protect Kerry Blackshear so he can actually play 30 minutes. So, uh, talking about redshirting, in, in football, they've got the four-game rule. Now, in basketball, there is no such rule, right? If you step on the court, your redshirt's blown. I Medical uh, redshirt, I think, is th- 30% of your games. I, th- I think that's that, – I don't know. Honestly, yeah, so we'll have, have, to no do, we'll have to do that research and get that out there. But my thought is there is no mm-hmm. – hmm. I'm not sure, though. So one thing I do want to do real quick before we get to questions, there are two two players that I really want to hit on, uh, and that we have not talked about. First one is is Wabisa Beatty coming back, right. uh, a guy that has been a role player his first two years, but he's also started. Okay, a guy who's been on the floor with Nikhil Alexander Walker and Justin Robinson and Kerry Blackshear, experienced the highs of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Mike Young got him back. Has said a lot of good things about Wabisa Beatty. I think Wabisa was in the portal for a while. He was. He didn't yeah. come. It was like the middle of the summer when yeah. he announced that he was coming back. Right. Is this a guy who can Mike Young right now can build around? Is 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 is, is Beatty a guy? This could be his team, quote unquote. Well, it's gonna have to be. Who's a, who else is going to belong to? Well, <laughs> good. Uh, uh, the, the only other upperclassman is Brandon Johnson. He's a redshirt senior, but he's a transfer from Alabama State. This is his first yeah. year at Virginia Tech. You got P.J. Horn, and, and P.J. doesn't talk. You know, you can't get a word out of P.J. So he's not really – it's not really a leadership position. 
You know, he's a lead by example type of guy. Um, Beattie is more likely to talk and take ownership. I mean, he's really the only option here. Eventually, it will be Jalen Cohn. That guy. Th- that's likes, what I was going to that, say. That, that guy yes. likes to talk. Um, in fact, this team is so young, I could even see Jalen Cohn having somewhat of a leadership Becoming position a leader, on this yeah. team. D- depending upon, did you do you have any sort of feel for how much Wabisa, where Wabisa is going to play? Is he going to play the point? Uh, I think uh, think he and Cohn will play the point. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the things we didn't get a chance to get into uh, at, at media day yesterday. Is you know, Mike, how do, how do you see the playing time breaking down? I believe one of the things we've heard through the grapevine is that is that Wabisa is showing a lot more confidence mm-hmm. in his game. I think he went through a period last year where, uh, you know, he he was a he was a good shooter as a freshman. Um, was that North Carolina game last year? Yeah, that, that North Carolina game was that the first game Justin Robinson was or, or he was in foul trouble. Big foul yeah. trouble. Beatty had to play a lot, and Akil was in foul trouble both yeah. at the same time. And uh-huh. that that just knocked Beatty off of his line for quite a few games, yeah. and then he started to come on strong again at the end he of did. the year. So I think some fans were critical of him, saying, "I, I remember a lot of discussion on our message words. Oh, well, Beatty can't shoot from the outside," and I kept saying, "He was like a forty percent shooter as a freshman." If you get him open and he has confidence and rhythm, yeah, he'll make the shot. Stop saying he can't shoot from the outside because that's not true. He's just not doing it well right now. So it's hard to say what we're going to see out of out of Wabisa. Um, I, I think you'll see leadership from him as to play in time and how well he plays. I think that remains to be seen. He's a likable guy. Yeah. Um, has was Twitter handle is Captain Charisma, and he's got good charisma about yeah. him. Um, he's got to get more confident when he's driving to the basket. Um, yeah. And I, who knows how much driving he'll do now, though. There's a different system. I mean, I, I really have no idea. I'll yeah, be honest with you, I don't know that's exactly true. what Mike Young's system looks like. I'd spend a lot of time watching Wofford basketball through the years, yeah. you, you know. Uh, so, but I, th- I think he is going to play, obviously, a huge role. He's going to start. Um, he's captain by default, right? He has to be. Yep. All right, and then the last one, because we did talk about – Landers not only of him probably having to play the four a little bit. You guys mentioned the, the natural score that he is. I do want to talk about Jalen Cohn. I mean, this was one of the big early wins for Coach Mike Young, getting him to reclass, pulling him away from Tennessee to come to Virginia Tech. Uh, how? Where are your expectations for him this year? I, I, I don't know where I put them this year. I mean, the guy's supposed to be in high school, and he's going to be his first college basketball game is going to be on the road against Clemson, and he's supposed to be in high school. And he's small. He's listed at 5'11", 170. Yeah, he's a really good athlete, though, and he's good strong. Yeah, so he's I, I, that doesn't bother me. I mean, a lot of major schools wanted him. Yeah. Buzz wanted him at Texas A&M. Uh, Tennessee wanted him. You know, Wake Forest wanted him. A lot of schools wanted him, even though he was young. Um, now, I asked him yesterday, you know, his older brother plays for Wisconsin, plays football for Wisconsin, defensive back, um, Madison Cone. And I said, when did you take your first trip to Virginia Tech? And he had to think about it for a second. He said, it's probably the seventh grade when his brother was being recruited by Virginia Tech. So this is a guy that had so much familiarity with, with Virginia Tech. You know, not just Mike Young. He had a lot of familiarity with Tech from Buzz Williams and from Frank Beamer recruiting his brother. Um, or maybe that was – I don't – I don't. maybe that was Fuentes first. Yeah, we, we, I, yeah we'd have to what, Whatever. But uh, – very familiar with, with Virginia Tech. Uh, I think he'll, because of his brother playing in a major, major program, and he's also he's got a really stable family situation, I think he's a little more prepared for the rigors than your average 17-year-old would be. Um, now a, little more, said, a little more prepared to be the man. Yeah. Now, that said, I don't know what kind of player he is. I really have no idea. He was a highly ranked player. Sure. A lot, a lot yep. of schools wanted him. He's going to play a lot, for he's, sure. He's, he's a good leaper, never mind the 5'11 or 5'10 yeah, or 5'9 yeah. or whatever So, well, I, I think the thing that we're hearing yeah. from Chris is this team is young, there is talent, <laughs> but to, as you said, the my, expectations to to ease yeah, into them. Mike, so Young, Mike Young yesterday mm. used a term. He said, you know, there's an old adage, get old and stay old yeah. in, in college sports. And he's like, uh, we're young. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to take – Two or three years before Tech is old. Yeah. Um, so I, I was thinking about this, and 
you know, I remember the when Buzz Williams first started his first year at Tech. Uh, the record was bad, but you could see the potential. You could see how competitive they were. There were games where, uh, like I remember, it didn't Buzz's first year didn't they have a chance to beat Syracuse on the last second shot? Yeah, uh, by. Uh, uh, the German, German, the German Malik, point guard, Malik, Malik Mueller. Mueller. Yeah. yeah, the happiest I saw, the happiest I've ever heard Buzz was after a 16-point loss to NC State in his first year, because hmm. they played as well as they could possibly play yeah. in that game. So, um, be patient, enjoy the process, look for the little things. In in the same way, I can, I can remember Buzz's first year watching how hard they played and how how all in they were and i remember watching uh um my my mind is blanking zach led seth allen remember watching seth allen on the bench mm-hmm. and seth and zach on the bench and just the the chemistry they have with each other just in their personalities and thinking man once this all gets lined up this is going to be good and uh so kind of take that same viewpoint watching this team yeah take a long-term view now, this is a team that was picked 14th out of 15 in the ACC. Quite frankly, they would be picked 15th if anybody else was coaching Wake Forest. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and we had a discussion yesterday just standing around talking. Yeah. How, many game, how many ACC games do you think this team's going to win? And and The consensus was four, four. or five. They're, they're playing 20? And, and it's a 20-game schedule this year. And I so. thought, you know what? Four is my over-under. That's, I, so that's a lot of losses. Right. They're yeah. going to pile up. Uh, and going out to Maui and playing Michigan State. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> high school kids playing Michigan State. Yeah. Number awesome. one team in the country. Right. High school kids in Hawaii looking around going, hey, man, we're in Hawaii. And then and having then, to oh, play. Oh, Michigan State's dunking on us. What's going <laughs> on? Uh, well, listen, we'll have time to talk about that as well as Clemson because that is coming up on right. us. So it is officially almost crossover season where the podcast will start to turn from. A little bit of majority football, yeah. a little bit of basketball. We are getting there, and it is time to turn it over to uh, the the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, standing by. What's going on, Malcolm? Morning. <laughs> so we've got a few questions. Uh, we'll start with Liam Monroe. With the players we have, do you think we'll possibly get an NIT appearance? Uh, no chance. All right, the, the NIT, <laughs> first of all, the NIT is no longer 40 teams. It's back to 32. All the small conference teams, if you win – your regular season, but then lose your conference tournament. Let's say Radford is the number one seed in the Big South, and they lost and, the conference tournament. And that tournament. may have been the case last year with Radford. I don't remember. Right, and then you lose your conference tournament. Then they automatically get a spot in the NIT. These days, you got to win like – Tech used to get in the NIT with 15, record. 16 wins and a 500 record. These days, you got to win 18 games. Right. And there's zero chance at the NIT. <laughs> I don't want to say zero. But so you're it, saying it, it would a be chance. one of the biggest upsets in the history of basketball. This that would team be a the stellar NIT. coaching job. One of the uh, quicker answers we've had before. I, I mean, there's, there's 20 ACC games. Yeah, you know, and uh, only 32, only 32 spots in the NIT, and that and six or seven of those are going to be taken by automatic bids. Are going to be stolen. Yeah. There's stolen bids. Yeah. So good question. No, 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 very fair question. So I actually meant to say this earlier. Uh, PJ is apparently, according to Jordan Long and Chris Blevins, PJ is committing today at 3 or 3.45. PJ Hall? Yeah. Is it today? Yeah. Something like that. So keep an eye out for that. Right. So with that, Jordan Long asks, if we don't get PJ Hall to commit today, who else do you think Who else do you think we may go after this cycle? I have no idea. I mean, I don't know who plan B and C guys are in basketball. I saw some guys. There are some guys on our basketball board and our recruiting board uh, who do know. Um, unfortunately, I don't remember what names. You know, we're, we're, around. we're in here. I didn't start thinking about basketball until yesterday. Two. The, the media day started at two. I started thinking about it at one thirty. Let, let me, much. Let me add yeah, on to that question. I, let, let me let me kind of take that and take. How about this? The recruiting class that Mike Young has put together for the following year. Next year. At, yeah. There's some pretty good signings in there. How about guards? The, yes. Yes. Good. Good guards. Um, no, they they gotta they gotta get better at uh at, at post recruiting. They gotta find a center, and you know they're kind of down to some lower level Plan B, upper level Plan C guys when it comes to center. That doesn't Mike make Mike Young any different than any past Virginia Tech basketball coach, by the way. Yeah. If he struggles to recruit bigs, that's just the way it's always been here. And I, and I think it, uh, I, I think a 
I don't want to go out on a ledge here, but I think a lot of the success of his tenure may depend upon how well Ojiako develops. Yeah, for sure. Um, so. Hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Uh, has Mike Young – sorry, this is from Tom Mary Lester. Has Mike Young reached out to the student body at all? If so, how? Yes. Uh, I, I believe it was two or three weeks ago he was at the bookstore – for about an hour and a half, just signing autographs and taking pictures with fans. That is one thing I know for sure uh, that he was doing recently. Buzz, Buzz one t- I, I literally watched Buzz one time get a microphone and tell the students, I don't care if you come to games or not, but if you do, you need to be here for Alabama State just like you're here for Duke or something like that. And I'm like, good job, Buzz. That's really somebody who's in it for the long haul. Yeah, hashtag get better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he uh, and and then I think the, the, there's a big freshman kickoff in Lane Stadium the opening weekend. He was there as well as some other coaches. So I, I do think to answer that question, I, I Coach Young has made some efforts to reach. Now out we to we the don't students. know about chalk talks or anything like that. So uh, maybe that's something we need to pay attention to and see. Hmm. All right, what else? Looks like PJ Hall is committing at three. He's got a funeral at four. So there you go. Yeah, something something bad happened with yeah, one, some, of, some one of his high school, school classmates yep. or something like that. So dang. All right, Leo Monroe. With the assistant coaches he's hired and the recruits they could possibly get, do you think Young will have as much success as Bud did in the three seasons Bud had been here? Buzz. 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 Did I say Bud? You, you said, said Bud. Bud. Well, we're talking about Buzz. He's unlikely to have as much success as Bud. Um, (laughs) That's like 30 years. If if he does, it'll be a little different. I mean, Buzz brought in a lot of pure talent. There's two NBA players right now, Justin Robinson and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Ahmed Hill is kind of a lower-level fringe NBA guy. He was on a preseason roster. Chris Clark could get – there's talks he could be a second-round pick, maybe a late second-round pick next year. KJ. Last year, the SEC preseason player of the year. Tech was loaded. That's a ton of Absolutely talent. Absolutely yeah. loaded yeah. with talent. Um, I don't know that you're going to have a bunch of NBA guys here under Mike Young. Now, he started off recruiting well. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't deny that. But I, I don't know that long-term you're going to be saying, oh, yeah, Nikhil is just the first in a long wave of Virginia Tech draft prospects. Uh, if he succeeds, it'll be in a different way, I think. Um, well, yeah. and, and, and honestly, it's unfair. That was the first time Virginia Tech made the Sweet 16 since 19, 60s, the 19, since the 1960s when, when it was a, what, a 24-team field, 32-team field? Well, maybe, maybe a tw- I've looked this up. I think it was a 29-team Tw- okay. field. Um, and it's the first time we've ever made the NCAA tournament three years in a row. Right. So you're be- what, what you're basically asking me is if he will – exceed the the accomplishments of the best basketball coach in Virginia Tech history that's unlikely uh, you, what's unlikely is for you to sit there and go sure right yeah 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 <laughs> I'm not saying it can't happen or it won't happen I think he's a really good coach but it's like expecting it's the same thing as saying oh yeah Justin Fuente is going to win 300 games and be a hall of famer if you expect uh, that from each and every one of your coaches to maybe, be the best but... that you've ever had yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and, and I, I don't know enough about basketball to really speak with any authority on this topic, but, you know, one of the things that's made Tony Bennett succeed at UVA is that uh, I read this once when he was hired and when they first started being successful, somebody said something like, you know, UVA got fart, got fart, got smart, and finally, <laughs> it's a, UVA, we need nice to put job. a blooper reel together. Edit that one. <laughs> got, got smart. <laughs> And finally stopped trying to beat Duke and UNC at their own game, which is to recruit at as high a level as possible and play what you might call conventional basketball. You know, they finally said, let's hire a system guy, and, and that guy can recruit really well to that university. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the sort of thing you want to look for here. Buzz was able to just get a lot of talent on his team. And so as much talent as Buzz had – they were bumping their head against Virginia Tech's ceiling as a program, mm-hmm. you know, which which they finished fifth in the ACC last year. They were picked to finish fifth. That's where they finished. That's about as good as you can expect 
for yeah. Virginia Tech. You're not going to consistently have a backcourt that features players the caliber of Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Justin Robinson and Ahmed Hill at the same time. Now, Seth nearly won the ACC one year. If they'd just beaten Clemson at home in their last regular season game, they would have been the number one seed in the ACC tournament. And that's really remarkable, you know, the more – of course, it was a different league back then. It didn't have Louisville in it, you know. and, and Syracuse. Didn't have Syracuse, didn't have Notre Dame. Pittsburgh you know? even. Yeah, you know, so there's just a lot more a lot more teams in this league than there were back then. So, uh, again, not knowing enough about Mike's system and, and how it fits in in college basketball. But I think that's if – if you're Virginia Tech and you want to be successful – you kind of have to look at the UVA model. What can we do that's a little different, and how can we recruit guys to it and, and get guys into this university that want to be here? Guys, we are exactly at one hour on our Virginia Tech men's basketball preview podcast. Malcolm, anything else? Last one, maybe? Uh, I think we're at a good place. Yeah, one more from Tom Lester. Uh, do you think the ACC network will be a better venue for men's basketball and women's basketball than it was for football? I don't know. I don't get the ACC network. I've never watched it. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a problem with uh, with football. You know, it's it's given us a chance to watch some Friday night games that weren't necessarily on uh, on ESPN. But uh, and and having not sat down and analyzed the schedule, I think Tech's actually on the ACC network a lot, like six or eight times. You know, because they're not expected to be a good team. So well, getting... no, the, the the main reason is from what I've been told. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Comcast is the last holdout, right? So they're putting Virginia and Virginia Tech on the ACC network a lot in football, and I guess assume they're going to do it the same for men's basketball, to get Tech and UVA fans to keep complaining to Comcast. It's all calculated, right. yeah. And, and we talked about that before football season even started. That If I remember correctly, their first game was Georgia Tech and Clemson, and South Carolina right. and, and Georgia are two right. big – I think Comcast mm-hmm. uh, states, but yeah. yeah, there's a strategy to it. Right, and if you call Comcast, don't just call them and say, "Oh, I'm going to cancel if you don't get the ACC network." And then when they don't get it, you just keep paying Comcast for cable. Actually, go through with it. Yeah. If, unless people actually go through with it, it's not going to change anything. I just counted nine games yeah, so on nine the ACC, ACC network, and then of course the non-conference are all on the ACC network extra. So. So we'll we'll see how good the broadcast crews are. Um, the the broadcasting this year has been really hit or miss. Uh, the the two that really stand out to me for football are are just you know everybody's ragging on Mark Jones and and what's his name for high for low fiving uh, when Miami hit the hail mary. That was one of the that was one of just many things that were wrong with that broadcast. That broadcast was horrible. And that they, was ESPN. The re, yeah that was ESPN three thirty in the afternoon and the. The, the, the identifying of players, showing reruns. Several times they showed uh, replays of a player who wasn't even involved in the play. You know, so that, that was just a horrible broadcast all the way around. You compare that to the RSN broadcast of Tech's game against UNC. Yeah, Fox Sports South. Yeah. It, it, like, as I said on the podcast the other day, it wasn't ESPN in its prime quality, but it was pretty good. So we'll just see how uh, – We'll see how the, the broadcast uh, teams do, but I think that's great that they're on, on the ACC network that much. It's great for me because I get yeah. it. Hokies open up their season Tuesday, November 5th at Clemson. At Clemson. It'll be aired on ESPNU, and uh, it'll be here before we know it. Uh, great podcast, everyone. Thanks so much uh, for asking questions. All that chimed in. Uh, CC, I know I asked you Monday. I'll ask you again what's coming up this uh, rest of the week on TSL. We'll continue with our probably continue with our basketball previews i think i'll probably run one more this week and maybe one next week friday q a as usual normal week of content except for added basketball gotcha um next monday the podcast will be uh you or you evan are not going to be here i will not be here on monday correct so we're going to have jake lyman sit in and and jake has been uh writing some soccer articles for us he's done a wrestling article um he does tech talk live notes for us does a fantastic job with that uh, we're going we're to get Jake behind the mic and let him let him run a podcast. And our guest is going to be a very special guest. Tony Roby has agreed to come on. Um, I texted Tony, say, can you be on the podcast next Monday at 9.30 a.m.? He said yes. That That's the extent of our discussions to this point. But he should be, uh, he should be on next week. And uh, so we're going to go into depth with Tony about uh, his lineup, who's going to be wrestling at what weights. We're going to talk to him about the schedule. And we're going to talk to him as much as uh, he can about recruiting. 
recruiting for Virginia Tech wrestling has been Off the very charts, exciting. Right? The, the, the class that he can talk about was the number five class in the country that he signed last year. The commitments he has so far, they're, they're something like the third-ranked recruiting class in the country. And I was texting a buddy of mine last night, and he said, can you imagine if basketball – had the fifth best and third best recruiting classes in the country in back-to-back years. So uh, we'll, we'll get Tony to talk about that as much as we can. He's the best. Coach Roby, always open. And uh, it really was awesome last year when Makai won the national championship on Saturday. And then they were in with us on the podcast on Monday or Tuesday. I mean, they're willing to come on and talk to us right after he won. So, uh, And I'll close with that. Makai honored. Makai Lewis, Coach Roby, uh, with uh, Whit Babcock during the Notre Dame game, excuse me, North Carolina, and uh, standing ovation from Lane State. They they really understood the significance yeah, of that national it was championship. certainly a major event for Virginia Tech, yeah. Yeah, yeah and just, just that run he made where he was the eighth seed and he knocked off 4-2-1 and one or, or whatever. And what was. is one it considered maybe one of the most difficult weight classes to do it in 165? How many talented wrestlers there, there are? There aren't a there? lot of small guys and there aren't a lot of huge guys, but there's a ton of guys at that weight class. So, uh, And we'll get into all that with Tony. I think they're going to be able to move David, David McFadden back down to the 165 class. So we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff. So if you are a Virginia Tech wrestling fan, be here at 930 Monday for that. Awesome. Looking forward to Jake coming on as well. That's going to do it for us this week here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Great one on Monday in which we broke down the six-overtime win and then today breaking down the Virginia Tech men's basketball season. Guys, as always, thanks so much for your time. Uh, looking forward to next week. Thank you. All right, for our producer behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. My name is Evan Hughes, podcast so saying so long. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm.